I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. And today we got Glenn Hab with us. He's the executive director of the Winston County, Mississippi Economic Development, where Louisville is. So, Glenn, welcome. Hey, great to be here. Yeah, well, uh, why don't we start off telling these folks a little bit about Winston County and Louisville? Well, Winston County is, for y'all that are not familiar with our location, we're adjacent to the Golden Triangle, which is pretty much if you took Mississippi and you had a heart, that's where we would be located. We're in East Central Mississippi. Our community, our county is about 18,800 people, something along that nature. Our main municipality is the city of Louisville. We're about 25 minutes south of Starkville, a really great location in Mississippi. We're uh, thankful to be in that area in regards to the assets that we have here. So from a bigger standpoint, we always internally, we talk about the golden rectangle rather than the golden triangle. But great location. We've got some great opportunities here and very good place here in Mississippi. Yeah, so I just saw Glenn at a Mississippi State game. He came up and went to watch Mississippi State beat Kentucky. I'll have to work that in. We did sweep Kentucky in baseball. And Glenn came up and watched the game with us. Because Louisville, when I was in school, I'm showing I'm getting old, I guess. I graduated in 04, and it was hard to get to Louisville, even though it was close. Down a two-lane windy road, you had to go through there to get to Jackson. But Mississippi has really done a tremendous job building four-lane roads everywhere. And now, I mean, Louisville, you don't even hardly know you're on the road and you're there. So just talk about kind of how easy it is to get around from there. Well, I think back in the 90s, I think when Mississippi put in the four-lane network of highways through the state, really opened up the state, and it really opened up Louisville to the outside markets. You know, we're blessed to have Highway 25, what I consider 25 on 25, will get me on Starkville or get me to my tailgate spot on Mississippi State. There's just opportunities that come around, you know, going from Jackson to Tupelo. You actually, from the north, if you're coming into the Jackson, the heart of Mississippi, you have to drive right by Louisville. So that's an advantage to us. Also, you know, one of the things that opened us up as well, that one of the things that we highlight here in Louisville is the fact that we've got a class one rail by the KCS that runs right through the center of our town. And that kind of opens us up as more of an industrial access road, so to speak, in the rail side of things, because it allows our companies to 
ship out, whether it's plywood or trusses and things of that nature. So those kind of infrastructure assets are huge to us, our proximity to not only to the Golden Triangle, Jackson, Tupelo. So we can be able to meet major markets in no time at all, short drive, four lanes the whole way. So we're really blessed. That's one of the things that actually lured me to this area, the physical assets and the way it was geographically positioned here in Mississippi is a great bonus to our county. Now, you all just had a big expansion, didn't you? I remember seeing that somewhere along the way. Which company? Yeah, we've actually had a couple of expansions. We're very fortunate to have a major OEM in our area, actually in our backyard. Taylor Group of Companies, Taylor Machine Works, they build the heavy-duty forklifts and material handlers. You'll see them in a lot of port activities that go on there. You see them in a lot of lumber yards. They have a cross variety of material handlers that they use, and they're getting more and more niche-oriented as well. They're also getting into the defense product size in regards to the military. So that has been a big boon for us here in Louisville. They actually expanded into that market as well, basically expanded their footprint in regards to the logistical side of things. So that was a major expansion for us here locally because not only did they go into a former publicly controlled building, but at the same time, they improved that asset greatly. So we actually have a nice bigger footprint, basically 450,000 feet of goodness down on the south end of the town. And of course, their northern campus there. So they're kind of expanding their footprint in central Mississippi. We've just got to, like every economic developer, we've got to not only skill the workers that they have, but at the same time, we've got to find workers. And I think that's going to be something that's a major challenge for us here in East central Mississippi. Yeah, well, so far, we have a lot of listeners in Kentucky. So in Mississippi, he's saying it properly. It's Louisville in Mississippi. So in Kentucky, it's Louisville. It's not Louisville. You know, they'll get on the announcers when they call it. It's, it's Louisville, Louisville. So it took me a while to get that in my brain growing up because I didn't grow up too terribly far from Louisville and haven't seen that all my life. Then I go to Kentucky and I got to learn how to say Louisville. You're a Wayne County boy. Is that correct? Yeah. And as a matter of fact, Louisville always has a great football team. Because it seems like we have played, you know, Wayne County, we've had some fine teams. We won the state title three or four times. And it seems like one of the times we might have played Louisville. Y'all come out of the north and we come out of the south. But y'all had some good teams around there. Well, that's, you know, one of the things I'm fortunate to be around is I love high school and college football. And if you're, you know, participating in Mississippi, that basically, if you have to go through the state championship, you have to go through Louisville. And I think if you're in the Division One Class A, you have to go through Nantawaya. And actually, last year, Wayne Academy beat Winston Academy. So the talent that's in this area is tremendous in regards to college sports and high school sports. So we're very fortunate to have the athletes that we have here in this area. Now, I know your wife's big Mississippi State. She was even at the game where we beat UConn in the women's basketball that now all the Mississippi State fans, we all wish we had been there. You know, we were like a 30-point underdog, and we won that well, game. <laughs> so. Best decision I ever made in my life, to be honest with you. She's sitting there. She really wanted to go, and she didn't want – to go. And I think it's the first time they ever went to the final four, if I'm not mistaken, for the lady side of basketball. And she really wanted to go. And she, she goes, what if we lose? And I said, well, what if you win? And then that kind of energized her and she was able to witness that. So it was a great game. And, you know, having Mississippi State to the north of us is just a great asset all around. You went to South Alabama and y'all were the worst defeat Dan Mullen ever had at Mississippi State. He never lost well, a big underdog except one time South Alabama beat us. And so I want to know, did you root for South Alabama in that game? Absolutely. It's one of those situations. I'm a South Alabama Jag, and you're a big baseball fan as well. You know that South Alabama Jags tend to be an albatross around the Mississippi State neck every now and then. You know, you'll get into a 
regional and Sal, you wound up with South first and South will put you in the loser's bracket the first game. Then we peter out somewhere along the third or fourth game. But going back to that game, it was a great time to be in a little school and to be a Jag fan. One of the situations where, you know, I was boasting my Jag outfit, 11 a.m. game, you know, Dan Mullen came out there in shorts and, you know, they kind of didn't take us too seriously and they kept us around in the game. And Gerald Everett, the tight end that was with Los Angeles Rams, Last year, I think he moved on this year, but he made a great catch toward the end. And uh, unfortunately for South, you know, y'all bonged on the upper left-hand uh, field goal, and we are fortunate to come across with the victory. Only time Mullen ever wore shorts and we lost the game. I bet he won't be wearing them in Florida. <laughs> well, those, those 11 a.m. games are brutal, but I'll take that uh, any day of the week. Yeah, but South Alabama's doing a great – I mean, they've built a new football stadium on campus. I have not seen it, but, you know, I work for the Mobile Chamber, so I got friends mm-hmm. at Mobile telling me about it. They've got a great gym, and they're always good at baseball. You're right. They beat us a few years ago in Hattiesburg, but we ended up coming out of the regional, so it worked out. But they've really done a good job. Well, that's actually kind of where I got my start, Chad. I don't know if you know that. I actually worked with the athletic department and the event side of things at South Alabama, and we talked about, you know, kind of stumbling into economic development earlier off camera and things of that nature. And I had an opportunity to get out of that business because it's time demanding. It's a time eater. You know, you'll spend 60 to 70 hours a week just doing event work and then expect you to do office work on top of that. So I had the unique opportunity to kind of change trajectories of my career at the time. And my wife and I were a package deal when we went on to Alabama Southern, which is now coastal Alabama and Monroeville, Alabama. And I got involved in community development. So I loved my time at University of South Alabama, but very thankful to have an opportunity to get in with the Wired grant back at the time, it was Department of Labor grant. And then I, you know, went on to help start the uh, Monroeville, Monroe County Economic Development Authority. Yeah. So I tell people the same thing as far as sports. You know, it's this glamorous life you live in sport and work in sports. Because I went to Mississippi State to get a professional golf management degree, which sounds fun. You know, I'm going to work in golf. And next thing you know, you're out at 5 a.m. getting the carts out. I mean, you're working every Saturday and Sunday. You know, you're off days Monday and Tuesday. (laughs) You know, it's not nearly as glamorous as it might seem because all your sports are played when most people are taking off so the fans can come. So you're in the middle of working. And so it's a lot harder life than the luxury it seems. Well, that was kind of the throws for me. We were big in baseball and basketball. And, of course, we were doing all the concerts and all the events at the Mitchell Center. And then the rumors were starting to come in that football was coming in and that would have been a year round process. And we'd have to have different type of staffing, different type of responsibilities. And at the time it just didn't feel uh, appealing to me at the time. So it was an opportunity for me to explore different opportunities. I was thankful to have that opportunity at Alabama Southern. So you went to work with a community college and then you started the Monroeville, Monroe County Economic Development Authority. That's where we met when you were in Monroeville. You were like our fourth or fifth customer. So uh, you were way back when. It wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here today. We, uh, well, I wouldn't say that. Now, think... But I always remember our first three. No, I tell people all the time. Our first three or four were Kingsport, Tennessee, Monroeville, Kosciuszko, Mississippi, Selmer, Tennessee. So I always remember, you know, now we're signing up, you know, clients in St. Petersburg, Florida, and uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and all these places. But I always remember them first two or three. Well, that was a lot of fun, actually, when we were doing that because – One thing I liked about that, you know, it was one of these situations where back in Monroeville, we had an opportunity to start an economic development authority. And, you know, our unemployment rate was probably around 26, 27 percent at the time in 2009. And we didn't have all the answers. More importantly, sometimes we didn't know what we were doing. But we kind of went through the curve with that. And we started taking some chances, doing some different things. Actually, probably one of the better things that happened at the time is we brought you on board to help us kind of 
not only get our ducks in a row, but also from an economic development standpoint in regards to website creation, you know, training, and also prospecting. And I think that's where we had the advantage there. We actually were able to do on a couple of prospects. You know, of course, Sterling Packaging was a fun project that we had right there. And just getting the network, because it's a big thing for me. I love to network, 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 and network some more. And when you have that opportunity, that you have provide a lot of that for us at the time. And I'm pretty sure you still have a relationship with that community. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I was in Monroeville a couple of weeks ago, did a board training for them. So yeah, we still have done stuff. We did a virtual building for them and still do as much as we can. I was raised right through the woods there in Waynesboro, Mississippi. And, you know, just up. Well, Straight off 84. Yeah. As long as you can avoid all the uh, log trucks, you're fine. <laughs> and, uh, so, but yeah, we still do that. But you did something there. You were very creative, rural that the people can probably learn from. So we had a project go uh, look there, a distribution center. We looked at Monroeville and the project ended up in Dublin, Georgia. So that project ended up east of you, but y'all were like our last stop along our way. I can't remember how it worked out. And anyway, y'all flew us to St. Louis where I'm sitting today recording this. Y'all flew us to St. Louis because we had to be here for some reason. I can't remember, but you flew our client and myself and Alex to St. Louis, and you used, I believe his name was George Landigger. So he was the guy in Monrova who made a lot of money, I guess, found in the paper mill or whatnot. So he still was philanthropic. But this is an example of a rural community. How big is Monrova? 5,000 people? It's about 6,000 people, 6,500. 6, people who were able to get the rich guy in town to fly us to St. Louis, gave us St. Louis Cardinals hats along our way and this, and that, and the other. And even though you lost that deal, that deal ended up going to Dublin, Georgia. A year later, you won a deal that we had, Sterling Packaging, which is a company that makes packaging for the microbrewery industry and so forth, and was really you know, doing well in that industry before the COVID hit. I need to check on them because I don't know how many microbrewers are still printing packages. But anyway, even though you lost the first project, you won the second one. So that was money well spent. And a lot of rural towns you know, may not think outside the box enough how to do that, but you were able to pull that off. You know, first of all, not only did we have Danny in when we were working that project that went to Georgia. But the next day, we actually had Jim and Sterling Packaging down the next following day as a dark horse candidate to that. Because if I'm not mistaken, they didn't want to be south of I-20. That's right. Yeah. So that was an opportunity for us to shine a little bit, be creative in regards to promoting your rural assets, understanding the fact that just because you're rural doesn't mean you're not sophisticated and doesn't mean that you couldn't handle it. You know, one of the things from a rural perspective is the you've got to sell your workforce. And I think that was a major component in finally getting Sterling to locate Monroeville. It was a lot of fun those two days. And I think that's kind of where the adrenaline comes from in economic development, when you're able to move that needle, so to speak. And you see it a lot more, it's amplified a little bit more from a rural perspective, because once you make that, whether it's a success story or whether you complete a project, you can see that needle move even further. And that's one of the things that I like being in a community that's kind of small in numbers, but we've got some big time opportunities. And that's one of the things that positions us well here in Louisville, Mississippi. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this.
I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what? sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database well lois does that for you looking back i should have put my bills and sites on lois it's also easy to use for an economic developer it's just like using facebook it walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth and the thing i like most it works well on my ipad if i'm in an industrial building i want to be able to look at that thing on my ipad lois does that for me other builders and sites databases struggle with that so if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare go over to location1.com book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success talk about what do you love about your job on those cold winter mornings when it's hard to get out of the bed what gets you up raring to go do it economic development in Louisville it's never the same day twice the thing that really attracted me to Winston County is the fact that the publicly controlled assets that they have here So we do have a lot of not only acreage, but importantly, we have a lot of buildings. And that's one of the things that we're focused on right now is we've got to have more product out there. We've taken a lot more interest in workforce development over the last two to three years in regards to not only the post-secondary side of things, how do we keep essential engaged more with the training opportunities and getting it for our existing industry like Taylor Machine Works, Klockner Metals. We have a big metal fabrication area in this area and a lot of skill sets, but more importantly, it's never the same day twice, you know, either whether it's product development, whether it's workforce development, revolving loan funds. So those are the things that actually drive me. The fact that it's not mundane, you've got to continually be creative. We are an umbrella organization. So everything falls underneath this organization. So whether it's Main Street, Chamber of Commerce, economic development, workforce development, tourism, those things fall underneath this umbrella. And it allows us to kind of sink our message, but more importantly, we can kind of control the narrative, you know, because you've always heard, Chad, and we've talked about it before, that there's a story out there. Either you're telling it or somebody else is telling it, and you need to be the one that's telling it. And that's one of the things that we try to do here is control that message, but more importantly, that we control what we have in our area. And that's one of the things that I like about this opportunity. It's very creative. We're not afraid to try different things. You know, and I think that kind of separates us from other rural communities here, not only in Mississippi, but also throughout the Southeast. Yeah. Well, take us back to when you were 10 or 11 years old, running around. What did you want to be when you grew up? Let's compare that to what you ended up being. When I was probably about that age, that's a great question. I think at the time, if I recall, it was more towards the creative side of things, whether it was marketing or design, you know, something like that. I wouldn't say a graphic designer by any means. But, you know, I had a little love for meteorology at the time. But at the same time, it started gravitating more towards event work, marketing, sport and event marketing. I think that's one of the reasons why that kind of gravitated me towards the marketing side of things at the University of South Alabama. And then that kind of just basically continued to drive my interest. You know, if we're talking about that long ago, I think that would be the correct answer in regards to how the trajectory of my career tumbled out of starting about my teenage years and things of that nature. Those were the things that, you know, basically garnered my interest. Yeah. But even now you have to use those skills in order to sell the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and so some rural towns, you hit on it. I mean, you guys have everything under one umbrella, and we go to a lot of rural towns where they won't be. You know, there'll be a chamber of commerce and an economic development and a tourism and a downtown group. And, all. and I'm not sure what's right or wrong, but have you found it's easier to speak with that one voice the way y'all? I mean, you've done it both ways. So what advice would you give folks if they're on the fence about which is better? I'm a big fan of having everything underneath one umbrella. It's the same message, and you're controlling some of the things that are important. You know, I have my teammate here, Amy, and she does a great job with the Main Street side of things and the Chamber of Commerce side of things. And it allows us to make sure that not only are we on together from a quality of life standpoint, but how does that fit with product development and workforce development? You can kind of synchronize your efforts, but at the same time, you're feeding off the same synergies rather than working through different personalities, different organizations. And sometimes when you have those type of separation, you get bogged down into territories and small kingdoms, and it's hard to maneuver. And the only thing that suffers, in my opinion, would probably be the county or the city in regards to if there's some egos involved. Now, there's a lot of great places that make it work very well, but I'm just talking about some of the traps you may run into when they have those different type of organizations rather than having everything underneath one roof. So if you look back, who was the biggest influence on your career? Well, you know, I've had some really good mentors over the years. I think a lot of some of the Alabama developers at the time, of course, we know Tucson Roberts was great, Brenda Tuck, Robert Ingram. You know, you've got those guys. And here I've got some great people that I collaborate with, you know, Laura Bowman in Bolivar County, John Maynard's doing some great things in Oxford, Justin Hall in Marshall County. So you've got some great people that are sounding boards, have mentored me in the past. But from an influential standpoint, it has to be my wife, Melissa. One of the things that's intriguing about our relationship is the fact that she's the dean of enrollment at Obama Community College. So she's in the recruiting side of things. So she's got, you know, with financial aid, with admissions, things of that nature, it allows us to talk a lot of recruiting techniques. What are they doing from a community college system? We can talk about workforce. It really keeps me honed in on the post-secondary side of things. So influence-wise, continuing to grind out my career, continue to challenge, not afraid to move, you know, continue to push, you know, her favorite question is always why, you know, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And sometimes those are the hardest questions to ask specifically from board members and things of that nature. But when you have that on a constant and consistent and a positive message, you're able to think outside the box. You don't get pigeonholed so much, but influential wise, you know, that would probably be it because she's been the one constant throughout my journey. So that's kind of where I would lay that down. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. Be right back right after this. Our executive search spotlight this week's on the Marshalltown Area Chamber of Commerce up in Marshalltown, Iowa. We're doing the search for their next president and CEO. The Marshalltown Area Chamber is a five-star accredited chamber by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. This chamber has a 120-year history of success. It's one of those all-encompassing chambers, which has a program of work that includes advocacy, includes economic development, tourism, membership, community relations, and numerous events and programs. I tell you, Marshalltown 
Washington is located in a great location. If you look at a square between Des Moines and Ames and go over to Cedar Rapids and Iowa City, if you can picture that in Iowa, of course, Des Moines is the state capital. Ames is home of Iowa State University. Iowa City is home of the University of Iowa. And Cedar Rapids is a tremendous town. If you go to Cedar Rapids, you're going to enjoy yourself. Marshalltown sits right square in the middle of it, so it's in a great location. And this job really reminds me of a job that set up my entire career. I got to run the Lawrenceburg, Tennessee Chamber of Commerce, and it was very similar to this. It was a chamber of commerce in a small town, but it was close to everything, just like Marshalltown is. And it had one of those big programs of work. We did economic development. We did advocacy. We did all of that. So it's easy to see why this thing is a five-star accredited chamber by the U.S. Chamber. So this is going to be a tremendous opportunity for somebody to really affect the entire business, climate, and quality of life within this community. The pay is going to be between $90,000 and $150,000, depending on experience and qualifications. If you're interested, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash Marshalltown to learn more. You're going to need to apply before May 28th. And if you have any questions about it, feel free to call us or book a Zoom with us. We'd love to tell you about it. Yeah, you bring up the why, especially with board members. We have been shocked. We came out with a board training video that we're selling, I think, for $277. We put it out last September, and we have been shocked. I mean, we probably sell two or three a week to the point that now people are wanting us to do live board training. It's like I went down and did one in Monroeville. I'm doing one later today for Jefferson County, West Virginia, virtually. But it has been shocking to see I guess the need for board training for economic developers. And from a practical standpoint, we've had some communities hire us that say, well, we do a training program, but the university does it. And they really don't have that whole real world sense of this is really what competition looks like. And this is why it's so hard. And this is why you got to be committed to a long-term program. So I'm glad you brought it up because we have been shocked at the demand for that product. Well, I think that for me is having a board that understands economic development. Chad, you've been around this game a long time. Sometimes you have boards where they can't even spell economic development. And if you can have that opportunity to have board members who are engaged, who help direct and also provide uh, sound strategy and advice to where you're trying to go and help remove some of those barriers or opportunities, I think that bodes well for any community. I'm very fortunate to have TVA in my area. They do a great job in regards to helping us with those type of programs, whether it's through Christy Brown or the Nashville office. But more importantly, you can't have enough members to understand economic development. Because anytime you go into an election period, whether it's local elections or state elections, everybody wants to talk about job creation, everybody wants to talk about economic development, and everybody wants to you know, talk about workforce development. A lot of times, those individuals don't understand the impact or the nuances associated with what they're speaking on. So the product that you offer and the opportunities that you provide to some areas that do not have access to that type of expertise is tremendous and also gives you an opportunity to engage your board members and create that bond as you go through the process. That's an invaluable tool that I think that you and your team offers. Well, and it's a constant need because your board members are always changing. I mean, most of these organizations have a new chairman every year. Some will keep it two years, but that's usually the longest you see. And you have all new members and I've got the stock show on right now. There isn't a single stock analyst who would recommend that these publicly traded companies change their board members and chairman every year. Yet we decide that's what we should do in economic development. I think it's one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. 
and that's why it's so hard. I mean, you can have everything going right. And the next day you got all new board members, new mayor, and you know, all this kind of stuff. So you got to constantly do it. You can train them one time and six months from now, you might have to start back from square one. Well, you talk about only board, but political leadership is key. I can't tell you how attractive the political leadership was for me here in Winston County. I have an aggressive mayor. He's got an election up here in June, but he has the opportunity to serve for his fourth term and he's considerably younger than I am. So that kind of gives you an idea of how long he's been in the game and he's, you know, young 40s and he's been doing it for, you know, over 12 to 13 years and very instrumental in bringing Winston Plywood and Veneer at the time and recruiting wise. I've got a board of supervisors who are second to none. You know, they're always, you know, what's good for the city is good for the county. And when you have that type of synergies and that type of leadership, I'm just thankful that the people of Winston County put these people in place because I've seen some worst case scenarios. And fortunately, I don't have to struggle with the leadership that I have from a political standpoint. Everybody is on board. Everybody knows what's going on and they're engaged and they understand economic development and they understand the fact that it's important to invest in the people. Because we talked about this a long time ago, because I remember you and I had this conversation. People aren't going to invest in you if you don't invest in yourselves. And we talked about that early on. That's always stuck out to me even when we were recruiting back in the early 2010s, is the fact that you've got to show people that you're considerate, you're in the game. And that's one of the things that rural communities have to understand is that you've got to have some skin in the game if you want to compete. And I think that's what makes Louisville attractive in this area is the fact that, yes, we do have four lanes, we do have the infrastructure, we do have a railroad, we have a great airport, but at the same time, we've got publicly controlled property and there's things that we can do with a public-private partnership. Or there's a lot of things that we can put in place in that regards. And I think that bodes well from a capacity standpoint. So that's a huge deal to me. Do you have any little daily habits that you just do every day that helps keep you organized or makes you successful? One of the things that I do is I've got a planning tool that I just have. It's just something that keeps my timelines together. I look at that pretty much on a daily basis more so in the evenings to figure out what I can continue to chip away because I'm thinking not only what am I going to do tomorrow, but what do we need to accomplish this year? What does it look like in three to five years? And more importantly, what does it look like five years plus? And if, you know, I can continue to look at that, chip at that, put my days together, put my projects together. And of course, anything I can get my hands on reading wise, business wise, those are things that I try to do. Just scurry the current events, what's going on specifically from a regional and state level. Those are the things that help drive, whether it's, you know, like the big deal the other day was, you know, the medical marijuana, the Supreme Court of Mississippi turned that down. So I'm trying to figure out how that bodes for some of the projects we had in the pipeline. What are we trying to do to combat that? What are they going to do from a legislative standpoint? So just small things like that. And I appreciate the opportunity and the time that I can get to do those kind of things in regards to prepping for each day. And what have you learned now? You've been doing this 15 or so years now. So what have you learned now that you kind of wish you had known on day one that you just would have known without the experience you've got? It's reciprocity. And what I mean by that is working with others. And I think collaboration is key. I'm a big fan. And we talked a little bit earlier about this. I'm a big fan of cooperation. You know, everybody cooperates, especially from a regional standpoint. It's very informal. You have to build the trust. But at the same time, when you have to compete on particular projects that you all are competing on, you just have to go back to your corner and you have to compete. But I think that makes a region stronger. I think that makes your trust stronger. And I think that bodes well for your network and allows an opportunity for not only your community to grow, but at the same time, makes your region stronger. 
and overall makes the whole state strong. And I think that's one of the things that I witness here in Mississippi is the collaborative nature of the economic developers here. I'm very close in regards to proximity. You've got David Rombarger and the CDF up in Tupelo. You've got Joe Max in the link. But at the same time, you've got a lot of great developers that are doing some things, whether it's people-based economic development with John Maynard and having those people and those people that you can contact and say, hey, listen, this is what I'm dealing with here. What are some ways that y'all have done? Have you ever seen this? And the developers in Mississippi are pretty much are always willing to help you when you need a hand. So those are some of the big things that I wish I would have kind of gravitated a little bit more towards when I started in Alabama, but I'm very fortunate to have this experience here in Mississippi. All right. Well, as we wind down, is there anything else you'd want to share with our listeners I might not have asked you? Yeah, just for the fact that just because you're rural doesn't mean that you can't compete. I think that's one of the things that there's a misnomer. I understand that it's the opportunities to attract the big white bunnies, you know, chasing the bunny, so to speak, chasing the smokestacks. But at the same time, rural developers can be very creative. We're a little bit more nimble than some of the other opportunities that are out there, some of the other bigger organizations. But just because you're rural doesn't mean you can't be sophisticated, doesn't mean you can compete. It's that we just have to have the opportunity to compete. And I think that's where, from a bigger sense of things, that there's an opportunity for rural developers, because I think in most states in general, if you're going to move the state forward, you have to focus on rural development. And there's a lot of great rural developers out there. And I think that we just got to continue to embrace the rural aspect of economic development and do the things that you need to do to make yourself a little bit better in regards to grinding, recruiting, and growing your community. All right. Well, Glenn, tell these folks your website. So if they want to go learn more about Lewisville or Winston County, they can find it. Feel free to visit www.winstoncounty.com. That's where we have our website and more information regards to our workforce efforts, our product development, and everything else that you need to know about Winston County and Louisville, Mississippi. All right. Thank you for being with us today, Glenn. Hey, I appreciate it, Chad. Thank you for the opportunity.